The All About Nothing podcast is proud to support the 2023 Soda City Comic Con. August 19th and 20th, join thousands of fans of fantasy, comics, science fiction, anime, classic games, pinball, and much, much more as they descend upon the Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. One day and two day tickets are now available for your chance to meet Sean Astin. As well, you can meet actor 90s heartthrob Vanessa Angel. Plus, you'll meet voice actors from your favorite anime series like Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, One Piece, and many more. Visit theallaboutnothing.com for links to more information and ticket information. The 2023 Soda City Comic Con is a premier pop culture experience in South Carolina. Get your tickets now. Visit theallaboutnothing.com for details. The All About Nothing podcast may have content and language that is not appropriate for some. Listener discretion is advised. Recorded live from GOT Sound Studio in Lexington, South Carolina. This is the All About Nothing podcast with Barrett Gruber, Trent Clark, and me, the most attractive host, Zach King. All right, welcome to the All About Nothing podcast. I am Barrett Gruber, joined by Zach King. We are Transcent Clark. Trent, we are Sans. Wow, mess that up too. Trent, uh, we are Sans Trent Clark this week. This is episode number 168. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to go through my regular spiel just because that's what I do. Uh, I am Barry Gruber, joined by Zach King, of course. Trent Clark again on uh, vacation again. Must be nice. It is nice. It is nice. Uh, you know. Don't ever get that. Yeah. Do you, do you get to take any vacations? No. no. <laughs> and I need one. We're in a room. It's a room full of people that can't uh, take vacations. We'll introduce our guests here in just a second. Uh, please subscribe to the show. That's how we get new listeners. Also, please consider supporting us financially by visiting theallaboutnothing.com and becoming an official member and proudly calling yourself a true nothinger. We have a bunch of membership tiers available that give you early access and exclusive content. Also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you think we're worth it, give us a review and drop us five stars. And if you're not on Apple, give us a review where you can. Share the episode with your family and friends. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and interact uh, and interact with us. And you can search for us on the All About Nothing podcast, uh, or you can just visit our website for the links the all about can i take over com. for a minute Barry? yeah for as little as one dollar <laughs> you too can help the starving children of the all about nothing podcast this <laughs> is much as a beefy five layer burrito talk about you is, hold on hold on just, just just so i know a beefy five layer burrito it's like 349 but you get the gist remember when taco bell was cheap it's after, like being back there after three months that can afford a beefy five layer burrito <clears throat> Until then, Zach won't need a beefy five-layer burrito. <laughs> All right. So, uh, first of all, shout-outs. Jay Jones, president host of uh, the podcast Black Entrepreneur Blueprint. Uh, thank you, Jay, for being with us uh, last week. That, that was, was a great, excellent. great episode. Uh, also, thank you for the advice and the conversation. All around, great person. Go back and listen. It's episode number 167. Uh, thank you to Dr. Jamel Brooks and Bill Kimmler, who invited Zach and I and Trent uh, out to the Greenwood County Democratic Party August breakfast this past weekend. That was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to hang out uh, with our friend uh, Daniel Duncan as well. So Daniel. it was good seeing Daniel. Right. We also got to meet Michelle Brandt, who is the third vice chair of the Democratic Party mm -hmm. for South Carolina. That was a good time. Amazing woman. Uh, enjoyed hearing her speak. Also enjoyed meeting several of the patrons that uh, that were there that said they listened. So appreciate that. Um, it's easy to say you listen. It's hard to do. Oh, it showed up, man. We got like at least 10 followers off of that 
one episode. I do also want to give a shout out to Polaris Gaming, uh, 2005 Edgefield Street in Greenwood. A uh, lovely young lady walked up and, and told us that that was where uh, that was her business and that uh, she wanted to uh, congratulate us on doing a Dungeons and Dragons episode. We had wives and children to get home to, so we could not stop by. But I swear to you, when we are back, that will be the first. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely come out and visit. Also, uh, shout out to the Columbia Fireflies and John Kosas Jr., the uh, broadcast and media relations manager there uh, for our weekly Firefly update. There's only a few more homestands left in the season, so if you haven't been to a game this year, uh, you definitely want to do that before the season's over. Um, that's that's all I got. Those Firefly games are so much fun. Yeah, it's a good time. And, uh, and, and hopefully we're going to see them move into the postseason because their season ends – uh, Labor Day weekend. That's okay. that's it for the season unless they uh, they advance. So, and Labor Day is September sixth, September fourth, fourth. Yeah, okay. yeah. Our our fantasy football draft is the third. I just don't show up to work and see which day I get yelled at for not being there. Well, you wouldn't be there on a Monday. <laughs> All right. So, uh, want to introduce this week's guest. He's a business. He uh, he has a business degree after attending Wofford College, Winthrop University, the University, and the University of South Carolina. Former board member of the Council on Economic Education, uh, past president of the Lions Club. I want to ask about that. That's uh, that. I, I'm not sure exactly what the Lions Club does, but I imagine it has something rooted in the uh, the community. Uh, also, a member of the Business Association of Columbia for more than 20 years. He has been my home and auto insurance agent for more than 20 years. State Farm Insurance agent serving Columbia, West Columbia, Lexington, and, and, and all of the areas for more than 30 years and knows more about economics than all of our past guests combined uh, and has more than 3,000 graphs and pictures specifically on his cell phone about economics to prove it. Uh, welcome to the All About Nothing podcast, Ro Young. Ro, thank you for being here. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, glad to be here. Um, again, I'm Ro Young, and I've had my own state farm agency for about uh, 34 years now. Yeah. And it's a it's an honor for me and my team to be able to uh, help people in the community. Yeah. And uh, try to help them transfer risk off of their backs. Yeah. And onto us, you know, and... Uh, for a known amount of money that can transfer that unknown risk to us. And, uh, that, that's a great thing. Yeah. And that is the premise of, uh, insurance is that the, the, the risks of the few shared by the many. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, so really like doing that. No, I, I have to say, I, I, you have a great team too, because the young lady that I speak to almost every time that I ever call in or anything, um, I can't, I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. Sandy, probably. Poten Sandy? Potentially, or is there another one? Lauren? Yeah, Lauren. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, because I, I, I don't, you know, having, having you as close to where I live and knowing that I can either stop by the office or just come by, um, I, I bought a, an electric motorcycle, um, Actually, I bought it two years ago. It didn't get delivered until February, and that's a I, whole podcast within itself. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that there were going to be issues because South Carolina didn't have a lot of electric motorcycles in this class, and the fact that that you all, Lauren, uh, and and the team were able to figure out how to get it insured. And, uh, and then, and, and while we're going through, you know, I, I was perfectly willing to pay the, uh, the insurance, but the discounts that, that I got or that she went through and found for me, uh, wound up paying for the insurance on the motorcycle 
So I, uh, you know, that's beautiful. It's that's yeah, great. It, it's fantastic, and I and I I appreciate that, and I know that that other insurance agencies offer that. Oh but, sure, but there's there's always been a consistency to anything that I needed with State Farm, and and, and I'm not just I'm not just blabbering about State Farm. No, but I, I even had a question. 34 years ago when you yeah. decided to get into this, what made you be an arm of State Farm? Like, what drew you towards that? That's that's a great question. My father, Roland Young, was a State Farm agent for almost 40 years. Wow. And he was in Five Points. Okay. okay. And uh, he was at 1924 Blossom Street. Okay. And I can still remember his phone number. And, uh, yeah, all that. Yeah. Never leaves. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. And I, and I really wasn't that interested initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got my business degree, and I was thinking about it, and I, I kind of already knew the industry and the business uh, at the time. So it was it was almost a natural progression. Yeah. And, and I do enjoy helping people. Um, I really get a... It fills my basket, so to speak. Sure. Get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you can make someone's life better, that's, I mean. Yeah. That's no, great. I, I totally and so, agree. And so that's how I got into it because it was, uh, had the business degree, already had the knowledge under my belt or a lot of the knowledge under my belt. So uh, I just worked to that end. And uh, approximately 34 years ago, I got my own shop. Okay. Excellent. Have you been in that same location for 34 years? I sure have. Wow. Yeah. And when I first, when I first, was deciding where I would go. Yeah. Um, there were, I wish I could remember the numbers, but there were just thousands of thousands of people in that area. Sure. And there wasn't one place that d- delivered pizza, like within a, <laughs> a mile or two miles or something. Which is a true tragedy. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, no. so, and so when I went in, soon after I went in, McDonald's came in. Yeah. You know, a number of these other things came in. Um, I did consider moving to number six at Platt Springs. Okay. But I was concerned. I could not wait for it to develop. Yeah, right. and I would starve to death. Yeah, <laughs> you know, before waiting for this to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because because yeah. where you're located now, you're directly behind a KFC, uh, and, and I, I I don't know how you're as small as you are. Because if, if I was in front of a KFC, I think I'd probably be there two or three times a week. Uh, the McDonald's across the street. There's a Taco Bell across the street. There's a uh, there's a Domino's. So there are three pizza places because. I used to when I first moved here. I worked at the Papa John's delivering pizzas for them because I wanted to. I wanted to know the area that I lived in. Right, love uh, the pizza. Oh, yeah, love hate. You know, because <laughs> ultimately, when you work for a pizza delivery place, whether it's high end pizza like I, I used to deliver for in Atlanta, which bougie. Was that would that be the? Am no, I using Atlanta that correctly? Yeah, 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 Atlanta proper. It's, it's bougie um, pizza. Uh, there is. Uh, there is. You, you get accustomed to bringing home pizza and and then you know gaining Which now he gets to relive through his stepson yeah my yeah my my son actually he uh he works at the little Caesars over there next to the food lion so all the hot and ready's Barrett can handle I I can't handle anymore <laughs> I've asked him to please stop bringing food home so uh but yeah, no, uh, it, it it has that area has grown up. So uh, it's it's at the corner of Platt Springs and Emanuel Church is is basically where, and you can see Rose sign hanging hanging right there above uh, uh, above there on uh, Platt Springs Road. So, and I'll, I'll tell you this: I have ventured out from State Farm. I grew up first. I was fourteen years old, got my learner's permit, and able to drive at night. My parents were State Farm people. Mm-hmm. And I started with State Farm, ventured out on my own, had Geico, had the general at one point at my right. lowest time. 
it, it all comes back to State Farm. Always the best <laughs> rates, the friendliest people. And I'm not in with your office in particular, but State Farm has always been the best. Well, who, who's your agent? Do you remember her name? Shannon Riker. Yeah. Yeah. So They're, it's a great company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think even prior to my venturing out up from under my, my mother's umbrella, uh, I think my family had been with State Farm for like 60 years before that. Oh, wow. I used to be with John Cooper. Nothing against John Cooper. I just found another agent. Yeah. Um, so we had you on because we wanted to discuss insurance sure. as, as, as well as economics and that sort of thing, because you have flooded me with information about economics that I had never considered. So I, I do want to get into that, but what, what's the basic premise of insurance? What's the, what's the basic need? So, so it's, it's just the unknown risk Yeah, and, and that can be expressed and articulated in a number of ways. Uh, the, the risk of early death, the risk of becoming disabled, uh, the risk of driving a vehicle that can do incredible damage sure. to property and most particularly people. Yeah. Um, those are some of the largest, you know, your home, uh, with a house comes a lot of issues. Yeah. Uh, without insurance, you would have to be, you would be forced to pay cash for a car. Right. Mm-hmm. You would be forced to pay cash for a home. And again, by transferring that risk on someone else's back for a known amount of money, uh, someone would be willing to loan you money to buy that car, to buy that house. Um, and so, I think a lot of things that insurance does is absolutely taken for granted and not considered often. You know, people take the position, well, I have to have insurance. Yeah. But, you know, really you don't have to have insurance. But but if you don't, a lot of other things are going to happen that may not be as desirable as if you do have insurance. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. I always thought, you know, having insurance was one of those things that you I would never use but always had to pay for. Right. right. Especially when it comes to vehicle insurance. And then I ended up having an accident happen to me where they paid my car off. They paid the car off that wrecked into me. And I ended up being able to get a new vehicle. Without that, I would have been done for everything. Right. I I can. So I have not, you know, knock on wood, I have not been involved in a collision since I was 18 years old. And uh, the vehicle that I hit with my vehicle uh, wound up not sustaining much damage. It totaled my car. Um, it was, and my car was a piece of junk. Uh, I, I, I had it from, I bought it when I was 16 and then it was, uh, but you I were lucky it didn't catch fire or going where you were going. It was a Pontiac. So yeah, I was very, <laughs> I was very fortunate that it didn't just burst into flames while I hit the gas pedal. Um, but, uh, but so thankfully I have not been in any incidents. I haven't gotten a speeding ticket since I was, 22 years old i think like these are these are all things that i i i I, you know i i base my luck on the fact that i'm also a very fairly studious driver hey i've been in an accident but i've never had a ticket in my life yeah no that i looks good i will say this i I, so just literally today uh i drove out to six and 20 uh and and i stopped and grabbed uh taco bell actually on the way home um because a bean, I too had a bean burrito is oh i yeah yeah i think i i i could have recognized the earlier uh yeah. he fumigated the uh, the studio for us <laughs> um but i uh uh but i was i was driving home 
and uh, I'm at the corner of Emanuel Church and and uh, Two Notch Road. And as I'm sitting there, the light turns green, and and I look up, and of course I, I do what I always do, which is I look both at the I look at the intersection that was just turned red, and I make sure there's nobody like trying to cut a red light. And uh, as as I start going forward, I hear a bang, and I turn to my left, turn over my left shoulder, and a woman has literally driven into a tree in front of that uh, that gas station that's right there in front of it, and. And I'm dumbfounded as to how something like that could happen because I saw her sitting at you the red light. You never seen those trees jump out in front of you? Not once. Okay. But she, but she just she drove and then went right into a tree, and, uh, and she couldn't have hit it at more than 20, 15, 20 miles an hour. But like the front end was completely crumpled in. It's enough. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I try to figure out what could potentially cause something like that to happen. And then I thought about it. I was like. I'm pretty sure that in my observation of her sitting across me, she was playing with her phone. Light turns green. She presses the gas and is playing with her phone and then veers off to the right into a tree. That's a real problem. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, those things just don't like if uh, thankfully I, I, I put my, I mean, you rode with me this weekend. I put my phone up on this thing and, for my life. <laughs> It's not that bad. It's not that. It's just that his shifting is appalling. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you are not going to find a Honda Element, a 2005 Honda Element that still has a stick shift. There are Maybe very not. few of them out there. That's Barrett's claim to rarity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And that car will drive me a million miles. I promise. Um, how how is it that insurance companies actually make money? Because ultimately, they take in a premium, but then. If if you pay out, if insurance pays out on an accident, they're paying out more than potentially what somebody's already put into the by, system. By, mag, by many magnitudes. Yeah. Yeah, often. And that's a great question. Um, the, the way insurance companies make money, uh, and I think a lot of people, this will be surprising, is often they do not make money by selling insurance. Because of market pressures, often the amount they charge for your premium, and in, in this example, I'm using automobile insurance. Sure. Okay? So what, what they often do is, because of market pressure, they will charge less for the premium than they actually need to. So there's a built-in loss, okay? So, okay. Th- so they may not charge a rate that's actuarially sound. Uh, and, and so what they'll do is they may be set up to lose 2 or 3%. Okay. Okay. But what they'll do is they get it back, hopefully, from their investments. So they have a, a pool of money. Okay. And they try to grow that. And they try to grow that very conservatively. Sure. Because it's, it's a lot of it's not their money. Volatility. Yeah, and- they got to be very careful with it. And um, so you won't hear this in the, in the media very much, but insurance companies sometimes lose a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes uh, companies have paid out five billion more than they took in premiums. Sure. In a year, wow. Uh, Seventeen billion dollars more than they took in pre- in premiums in a year. Yeah. And the the general consumers would not realize that or know that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it is it is very difficult to make a profit because um, prices often form first. Okay. Out of voluntary exchange. Yeah. Okay. And so it's difficult to know what that looks like when it's all said and done. Yeah. Sure. Um, 
and just to drive this this point home, when you when you go to the gas station uh, and you buy gas, you're really not buying it from the producer, right? You're buying it from the market. Yep. You're buying it from the guy next to you at the pump. Who had already paid for it, right? Because if someone's if someone's willing to pay X number of dollars and they're going to fill their tank up, you know, look at his split and not worry about it, and another person doesn't want to pay quite that amount, they're going to either reduce their consumption of gas or they're going to find some alternative, you know. Um, and so you're, we're really, what we're really doing is we're buying away something from someone else because you're buying it in the market, not from the producer. Sure. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Um, so then, then I guess the follow-up to that would be like, we're in hurricane season now. And from what it sounds like between the NOAA and the Colorado state, they have decided that, that they're going to really up the number of potential storms that could, that could come in. Um, and a hurricane hitting South Carolina uh, potentially devastates a swath Absolutely. across. And uh, I can only imagine then in that situation that insurance agencies that, that, that cover people's property, they would take a huge hit from that. Yeah, huge hit. One thing that State Farm does, and I can't speak about other companies. Sure. Yeah, because it'd probably be, it would be irresponsible for me to do that because <laughs> I don't have the knowledge. Yeah. Right. But I suspect they do the same thing. When we have a large hurricane that's coming in, we have people that literally follow the hurricane. Yeah. They have entire hotel floors okay. rented out. Makes sense. And and they, they they follow the hurricane, and when it hits, then they can try to put people back. Yeah. You know, and uh, so th- they do a lot to try to be able to act as close as they can to the moment they need to act yeah. in, a, in a meaningful way. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty it's pretty neat to watch. It's almost the way FEMA used to operate. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, man, I want to do that job. <laughs> I, I've got a friend that works for State Farm in Florida that uh, he's on he's on one of those emergency response teams that, that literally uh, when, when even, even when they get the forecast that there's going to be, you know, flooding rains, uh, they literally park themselves – and wait for it to rain. And then if it doesn't rain, then, you know, it's a sigh of relief that that's just the cost of business. But then when there is, uh, there are that, and it's not, it's not only just making sure people are, people are set and that they, they, they know, they know what the next steps are to get themselves back to the normalcy. But it's also the fact that I've seen those state farm and, and other insurances as well, but I've seen those trucks. I've seen those buses where, they have completely liquidated like an entire Walmart of drinking water and, 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 and uh, paper towels and, and things like that to try and uh, get people at least to a state of comfort. Um, it used to be that FEMA would pay for generators. Yeah. Uh, they, don't, they don't do that anymore because thank you, Florida. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it, they, they, set up, they will set up uh, shelters where people can drop off food if if they have it, and then uh, people can pick up food and things like that. It's 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 that is that is one of those social, and I know that it's part of the, the capitalism, but but I, I I recognize that that's one of those social structures that 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 we still need uh, to support people when they need, and and I'm I'm you know I I I have no issue. My my insurance doesn't cost very much. It's mm-hmm. I I really appreciate it. 
but I know that I hear people complain about the prices of insurance or how much they're paying. And I see TikTok videos of people talking about the cheaper insurances that you can get places and things like that. But, you know, I've, I guess I've always, I've always come back to when I see things like that, but what is the quality that you're getting? What is, what is the actual service that you're getting? Um, so when it comes to auto insurance, I think one of my biggest questions has always been, and I understand it from, from a, 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 an aspect, comprehensive versus liability. Comprehensive is the vehicle is covered in case of an accident. Theft, fire, vandalism. Okay. Acts oh. of God, act of nature. Okay, okay. And then liability, I'm just covering to fix the damage I caused, right? Correct. You're legally liable for something. Okay. And it it cleans up your your damage. So I always broke it down to comprehensive if you owe money on the vehicle. Oh, yeah. And liability if, like, you're being cheap and you're like, if I get in a wreck, I at least have to be covered for that. Yeah. I'll take the walking. (laughs) I I have a 2005 element that's been paid off for more than 15 years. Uh, I only carry liability on it. Uh, that's not unwise. Yeah. Okay. No, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But after having comprehensive come through for me <laughs> in an accident, I'm like, I really liked having another vehicle, like getting enough for what I've paid off to have another vehicle come to me. Yeah. Let, let me give a, let me give a pointer. Sure. In the state of South Carolina, there's a zero deductible for glass breakage under comprehensive. Yeah. So if one were to have an older <laughs> car like I have and not want to carry collision, they may want to get, comprehensive with a very very high deductible okay and pay little for it and then if they get a broken broken windshield you know it's zero deductible say south carolina that's amazing so so they can take advantage of that okay you know and uh there's nothing inappropriate yeah that's just yeah because you're paying so much less for such a high deductible right right yeah and and at the the end of the day you're not doing anything that's you know inappropriate that's very wise yeah i may have to call the office tomorrow yeah i have a i have a little nick oh it's not that big a deal yeah that's like your deductible may end up you're paying five thousand out of your pocket if it ends up happening can can say to having a lower deductible i I totally make sense yeah uh it's had a it's had a good life i think I think it's it's almost three hundred thousand miles. I think it's had a good life. Yeah, fire would improve your element. I'm just <laughs> Go ahead and get that comprehensive. Let me let me information something yeah, yeah, too. With you you brought up FEMA. Yeah. Okay. One thing I th- I find very interesting is that uh, prior to the federal flood program, mm-hmm. banks and mortgage uh, providers would not loan money to anyone if they were going to build a structure or a home in a flood zone. Sure. Right. So when the, when the government came along and created the, the national flood program, what they did is they incentivized people to build outside in the flood zone, in the flood zone, because uh, now that risk is transferred to, to the government. Yeah. And see, government. this is the issue with some of this is that the federal government often does not charge a premium that would be actuarially sound. So this, this is, and economics, um, market failure happens when someone gets a, a benefit, mm-hmm. uh, but the cost of the benefit is larger than the benefit itself. The special interest gets the smaller benefit, and the larger cost is passed on to others. Yeah. And everyone is worse off on net. 
Okay. So so things are a little better now because uh, you because the private market has offered some of these things. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but when it was just the federal government, it, you know, it really incentivized people to build in the in the flood zones. Sure. And uh, that was unfortunate. Yeah. But but you know the, I have to assume their intentions were good. Yeah yeah. Well I mean growth population yeah, growth. Yeah sure and, and, sure and, uh, Help, helping they you know, they're helping people out and yeah. But uh, yeah so, you want to move back into the what the, the fourth quarter the fourth ward or whatever in Louisiana you're right in it. Yeah. That's it, provingly already back in. Well it. and it's a it's a high population area that's in need of land and, right. and it's a soup bowl. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is it's it's like a soup bowl. You're absolutely in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When the, so just purely out of curiosity, 2015 when we had the the thousand year flood that that we had, what was what was the uh, how much impact did you see for homeowners here in, in in our area? It was bad, and that's a great question. Yeah, I saw things I've never seen in my entire life. Yeah, I, I had a client uh, that had a very large garage, mm-hmm. and it was maybe maybe it would be maybe a two story garage. Wow. Yeah. He, he was. His family were fairly affluent, mm-hmm. and he had this big, gorgeous house. And I have pictures somewhere of the water almost covering, covering the garage. That. Wow. So you can only see, like, maybe three feet of the garage. Goodness. Well, I mean, it's terrifying. It's hard to, oh, it's, absolutely. It's hard to even yeah. fathom yeah. that we would have that here. Yeah. But, all you know, one dam breaks, the other dams break, you know, and it's just, it's a, it was an incredible mess, and it was incredible to see. I mean, it just oh, mind blowing. I assume that there's that being a State Farm agent that there's communication about uh, forecasting and things like that, as far as the potential for and how we're going to handle situations like what happened. And I, I uh, climate change is that is that something that you hear about pretty consistently, or some? Okay, not, not a whole lot. Yeah, not a whole lot. Uh, one one thing too, I want to add on flood is is uh, if that. Flood coverage, people have to remember, it normally doesn't pay 100% of your loss. Right. So it's limited, depending upon what you do and who you go with. And so it's important to remember that, that that you can have some water loss, groundwater, okay? Groundwater mm-hmm. is normally not covered by your homeowner's policy. Okay. Okay? So, so it's important to understand. They'll say, well, you know, it's not covered by your homeowner's policy. But then there's a definition of what a flood is. Okay. So you have to also meet... The yeah. definition of what a flood is. Okay. So it can it can be a lot of water is different than a flood. Right. Right. Yeah. It can be very it can be very uh, frustrating because you want to recover yeah. from a loss, mm. and it's known it's well known that a homeowner regular homeowner's policy simply does not cover flood. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. But then then once you have what appears to be a flood, so many acres have to be involved. Right. So many houses have to be involved. You know before. The definition of a flood is met. Yeah. So for some people, I can see be, being very frustrating. What about earthquakes in in South Carolina? Because I think I, I read a statistic from the National uh, the G, uh, NG whatever the the Geological Survey that they said that South Carolina. So we were early. At, it felt really active uh, like a year ago. Right. Uh, I I remember there there was there was one earthquake that. Uh, it occurred in Elgin, and that's where most of the ones that have been happening around here, which is a good 30 miles from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and 
all of a sudden it was a rumbling as though there was an airplane flying very low over the house. And it, and, and, and what was crazy about that earthquake was I could feel it go from one side of the house all the way to the other till it passed. Um, has, has, well, so, so just to go back, so the, the national geographic geological survey has said that South Carolina this year has been more active with earthquakes as a state, uh, than it was even during the height of the earthquakes that we were getting, uh, back there in Elgin. Has that, has that been something that people have been concerned about? Some that that's true. So there has been a greater concern. Uh, more people are asking about earthquake insurance. Uh, earthquake insurance is normally relatively inexpensive. Yeah. And, um, it's you know, kind of like bu- buying volcano insurance in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish it were. <laughs> no, it's, 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 uh, we have a lot of activity. I think the, Probably one of the largest earthquakes in North America probably yeah. happened through here. Yeah, um, you know, towards on the way towards Charleston, sure. Somerville, that area, um, and uh, and I get a sense too with earthquake that it, it seems a bit like flood insurance. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about earth movement, ground movement now, and um, so a homeowner's policy does not cover ground movement, and and. So it wouldn't it wouldn't cover earthquake. Yeah. So you'd have to have a, a earthquake endorsement normally. Okay. On your policy, um, but then once again, you have to meet the definition. Yeah. Of, of an what earthquake. an earthquake actually yeah. is, uh, and so you know, it's wise to have it, but that's a personal decision. People have to weigh and measure. Yeah. And see what they believe to be their best alternative. <clears throat> Uh, through my life, I've normally I normally have carried earthquake because uh, I, I could imagine imagine having a home that is destroyed and uh, you've got a mortgage on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this: Is something that's standard in a homeowner's policy things like trees falling on your house or another person's house? Okay, great. that's a great question, and this is this is helpful to people. Yeah. What you what you just said is going to open up some things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if if you have a home and you have homeowners insurance, okay, uh, and there are different kinds of homeowners insurance, but by and large, if a, if a tree falls on your home and the tree is on your property, that would be covered under your home homeowners policy. Right. So you would have your deductible, and then once you once you got the deductible out of the way, then your policy would pay. Right. So. If the neighbor's tree falls on your home and it is a healthy tree, okay, there's nothing wrong with it, blows over, damages your home, once again, your homeowner's policy would pay for that. If the neighbor's tree is diseased, okay, see, we're starting to get into a liability situation now. gotcha. If the diseased tree falls on your home, then their liability insurance should pick that up. Okay. And remember with liability, there's zero deductible. Gotcha. So hopefully you're on good terms with your neighbor. (laughs) And that would be vice versa, basically. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And they'll be accommodating and and you know, and if I could cover someone's loss, yeah. No deductible, why in the why in the world would you you not? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean I mean all right, that's what you do. I'm here to help. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, exactly. Well that makes sense. I I I so that that's 
That's one of the things. So, of course, where I live is mostly sand. You you have to go down a good seven or eight feet before you hit any any sort of substantial clay to to root things. So, you know, we have we we had a decent number of pine trees in my backyard, and uh, and my only gripe was the pine straw, but. <laughs> Uh, but you drive around sometimes around this area and you see the number of trees that have been affected by the pine borer beetle. And, uh, and it's like, well, they could take my trees at any time. There's nothing really to stop them. So we decided to have them cut down because the potential, they, they could have reached the house. They could have, and then, you know, uh, and ultimately I, I just, I don't want to have to go through the hassle of having to get that work done, fixed, that sort of thing. Um, it's, you know, so it was, it was one of those preventative things that I felt like was, was a good idea to prevent the headache of, right. of what I'm going through. But I, I have to assume that with my state farm agent that, uh, he would take away a lot of that headache. <laughs> but well, you're wise yeah. to do that. Yeah. And let me share this with the trees also is that just because you have a diseased tree, that's a potential loss. It's not a loss. Yeah. And insurance does not pay for potential losses. Okay. It pays for losses. Right. So that is why your insurance company is not going to come out and say, oh, that, that tree may fall in the next 10 years. You know, they would not do that and then, and then remove the tree. Yeah. So until you actually have a loss, uh, then you can't engage your, your insurance policy. Yeah. Oh, that, no, that's, that that's good sense. to know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one of the questions that uh, that that I didn't know about, I know Zach probably understands this, but what does an underwriter do? That's that's a great question. Okay, so underwriters, and we're, we're talking in the insurance industry, yeah, they underwrite risk. So so what they're doing is they're looking at risk, and same thing as filling out like an evidence of shareability. Sure, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, so so what they're doing is they're looking at they're assessing risk. And, and they're underwriting, uh, and, and when, when you say underwriter, basically what, what people in gen, general mean is, mean is that a, a, a policy's taken, okay, mm-hmm. uh, written, and it goes to an underwriter. And what the underwriter does is they look at it for completeness. Okay. They look at it to make sure all the information is there. And insurance companies have models that they use to determine risk. Okay. And it's really stunning now with data. Uh, they may, they may look at over two or 300 different variables. Okay. With the model to determine what someone, what the risk level would be. Okay. And, and this is one reason that it's very difficult today to say, one insurance company is more expensive than another insurance company. Sometimes that's true, but more often than not, it's that this individual is more expensive gotcha. than another. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So let me ask you this. That would be, in automotive terms, if you own a red car with two doors that's convertible and a V8 engine, even things like being a red car, wouldn't that be something? That, that I've is, always heard that. That's a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. Okay. So, so what what they would look at is they would look at for comprehensive comprehensive collision. They would look at the value of the vehicle. Okay. Okay. Um, that's really the the big things they would look at, and, and then they look at your um, your habits. Okay. And and some insurance companies look at your 
credit history, and and that's pretty common. But the insurance companies that I'm familiar with, they don't look at medical issues, uh, things of that nature, medical uh, payments you didn't pay off, or they, they what they try to see is if you make an agreement with someone, do you live up to it? So some of those are the kind of the things they look at. Sure. So it's not based on like a FICA score. Yeah, it's very specific, and the very specific things that go into making up these models, and they're very sophisticated. I mean, uh, I think the models are maybe over ninety percent predictive. Wow. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's impressive. That's, right. That's actually right. a little scary. It is scary. <laughs> and and your driving history. Uh, it may be like 50 or 60% predictive, something on that order. Yeah. Well, and now you even have the technology to plug a thing into the OBD2 sensor and track how someone drives their car. Right, and, and that's a great point, mm. actually. Okay, so this is a good segue into this. So a lot of insurance companies have been using uh, credit or pieces of credit to determine risk, to help determine risk. So some of the government, some governmental bodies are pushing away from that. Okay. And in my opinion, that is why you see things like the drive safe and save Mm -hmm. where you put a little gizmo in your car. Yeah. Because they have to have data to assess risk. And if they're going to be pushed away from getting enough data, you know, in a meaningful way, they're going to change the way they gather data. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this is just my view. But I suspect that a lot of these things that companies are doing, where they put a little gizmo in your car, it's in your cell phone. Uh, I mean, you even get a report card. Yeah. Yeah. And it tells you, you know, you're braking too hard, you're, you're oh, turning yeah. too fast. And a lot of that is just advisory. So a lot of that does not impact your insurance premiums. They're just trying to help you out. And that has to be the thing, too, when you get in an accident. If, if that, if, if Safe Farm is able to plug that into your OBD2 and pull that information, you accelerated this. Well, then law enforcement could tell that too, and then you could determine who was more at fault for what you did at the, your actions at the time of the incident. That's a great point. Uh, but insurance-wise, I don't think uh, our we our our loyalties would be with the the policyholder. Right, right, and exactly. not not the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just something I've always thought about. If, right. if, if if your insurance company can read it, right, right. Someone else that can read right, it. Right. Or they could subpoena it. Yeah, I they'd guess. have to subpoena yeah. it or something. Yeah. Well, and, and I can see it in the fatality or something. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And actually, to kind of adjacent to that, I think I saw somewhere that almost 70% of somebody, 70% of all traffic uh, uh, intersections that have traffic lights now actually have cameras. And Not here. <laughs> no, you don't see them. Really? Yeah, the, they are apparent. It may not be here yet, but but across the country, it's something like seventy percent have cameras, and they they can ident- Some of these cameras are so good that they can identify your eye color through your Is it windshield. Seventy percent wow. out of three hundred sixty-five million people. 70% of the traffic intersections okay. with lights. Is, that's impressive. Is, that was what it was. Yeah, but they impressive. but essentially like that. The, the need for forensic collision specialists. Uh, I think that's why that, I wear baklava and sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they said that, 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 that all of these cameras at intersections now have almost eliminated the need to have a collision foren- or a forensic collision specialist on staff for most police departments and law enforcement because 
they just pull up the view of the the incident and they can see exactly what happened. They well, can the, tell. I, the worst part of me getting an accent was the three cops who came and looking at my charger, going like, "It's totaled." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I know. Look at look at the daggum journey that hit me. I know, I know. I get it." So uh, I wanted to I wanted to move into uh, um, economics some. Sure. Uh, but before I did that, oh, uh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you. Yeah, you. You have a long history with Our, with right. economics. I guess we need to take a break real quick. Uh, well, I was just gonna cut in the middle of the uh, in the show somewhere and just throw my stuff in. We should take a break real quick. All right, we'll take a break real quick. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna take a break and then uh, and then we'll come back. All right, this is the All About Nothing podcast. The Fireflies took the first pair against the Charleston River Dogs behind some explosive performances at the plate. Lisander Rodriguez has been red hot this series, going 10 for 18 with four multi-hit performances in the first five games against Charleston. Rodriguez has also swiped a pair of bags and scored three runs. The Fireflies got to see some fun performances from the new draftees too. Carson Rockefeller hit a triple in his first Carolina League swing, and Spencer Nivens knocked a leadoff homer on Thursday. Brett Squires also came through with another fantastic set of performances. The lefty is riding an 11-game on-base streak where he's hitting 372 with a 628 slugging percentage. Columbia's first baseman has seven RBI during the stretch, and last night he did this. First pitch swinging his hammer to right field. Forget about it. Brett Squires over the Bewell Picnic Pavilion. A two-run shot. And he cuts the lead to three. Eight to five, the score. Brett Squires cleared the fence by a mile on that one and is the first Fireflies player since Eric Pena to have a two-home run ball game. The Fireflies stick around at Segra Park next week where they'll face the South Division first-half champion Myrtle Beach Pelicans. From Columbia, I'm John Kosas. Hey, this is Jenny from Athens, Georgia, and you're listening to the All About Nothing podcast with Barrett, Zach, and Trent. All right, welcome back to the All About Nothing podcast. Zach King, Barrett Gruber. We are joined by uh, my insurance agent, uh, Ro Young, uh, representing State Farm. Been an insurance agent uh, for State Farm for 34 years. And uh, Not and- to make you feel old, Ro, but I was one when you started. <laughs> I'll always be young. <laughs> Row young. Barrett was forty-five. Right. When, Barrett was forty-five when you started. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I wish. Wow. No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I think. I know. Yeah, I was gonna say you insured me when I was twenty-two. I think. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> Zach. Thanks for being here, Zach. Always a pleasure. Always gonna pick on you. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I I wanted to move into economics sure. because that that seems to be your passion and uh, and and I you went to school for it, right? Well, some. Yeah. But but I, I did a lot of work on my own. Uh, s- some of the like Austrian school, uh, it's harder to learn uh, the Austrian school because not a lot of places teach it. Okay. And. Um, and I can compare and co- contrast some of the different schools and explain to you why I think, uh, and this may be too heavy for, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, we like to think that our listeners are highly educated. No, I'm sure they are. IQ is mm-hmm. somewhere in the 130 no, no. range. But it's just, it's such a foreign thing. <laughs> yeah. That people may not have an interest. You know? Yeah. So that would be the issue. Yeah. It's, it's I, I guess my, 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 the first question I want to ask about economics is how, how is the country doing right now? How is the United States doing right now, just from your opinion and your experience and knowledge about economics? Um, 
So I know that's a very broad. Yeah, and I can kind of I can kind of help with a little bit. Okay. So so the centerpiece of the Austrian school is it's it's capital based macroeconomics. Okay. The most developed and refined part of that is the Austrian business cycle theory. And so so what we see is a cycle. And we believe, and, and a lot of people believe, even not just Austrians, that the Federal Reserve has a great deal to do with what goes on in the economy. Mm-hmm. And I do not like politics. Um, politicians are self-interested actors. Sure. Absolutely. And we're all self-interested actors. Oh, totally. So, But, but I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I can't tell what they're going to do. I don't know if they're telling me the truth. I yeah. don't know if they're telling me that, that, that it's not the truth. Uh, but I kind of understand economics a little. And with it being a cyclical map, per se, you should be able to make some sort of prediction outside. Right. Of, yeah, outside of politics. Exactly. Right. And and, and so the politicians, they, they say all these things, and but – a lot of it's just not true. Yeah, and, and on both sides. Um, so the, what the Federal Reserve does is they goose the economy. Um, I'll give you an example. Okay, one politician will blame blame the other politician yep. for inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. of course, it's got nothing to do with the Federal Reserve increasing M two, which is money supply, yep. by over twenty five percent in a very very short time. Right, okay. mm-hmm. got nothing to do with that. Yeah. Right? So what happens when they do that is when money is injected into the economy, it stimulates the late stages of production okay. that are close in temporal proximity to consumable outputs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so it stimulates consumption. Uh, people go out and buy, and, and they're, they're consuming. And there are a number of issues with this. One, um, there's not anything more to buy. The magic pieces of paper don't magically make cars appear. Right. Food appear. You know, you can't print your food. And, and, and today, you know, when we talk about printing, they don't actually mean printing. That's just, just a word that's used. You know, it's it's a um, it's electronic ledger entry yeah, at sure. the Federal Reserve. So you have the stimulation of the economy. People are consuming. And uh, you also have the interest rate effect. Mm-hmm. So when they pour money into the economy, because there's more money, supply and demand, interest rates drop. Mm-hmm. So as interest rates drop, you have the interest rate effect. So in the earlier stages of production, okay, that are more, more, much more remote uh, from consumable outputs, you have an early stages of production would be like uh, mining, research, and development, things of that nature. Sure, yeah. So what, what happens is is that entrepreneurs, investors now, in the early stages of production, they will borrow more money than they would normally borrow. They will have projects that last much longer than they would normally run because now they appear to be profitable. Okay. Okay? Um, so what you have is you have resources, and what's happening is is that the... the 
there's a skewing of the stages of production. So resources go to the late stages. Resources go to the early stages of production. The center stages of production thin out. Okay. Okay. And so in the Austrian lens, this is the way, one of the ways that we enter a recession. Mm -hmm. You have to have a steady flow of resources through all the stages of production. Okay. And uh, so that's, that's a big issue. And, and you can really get a sense of this. So in, in a simple way, what's the Federal Reserve doing now trying to fix the economy? Raising interest rates. They're sucking money out of the economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which, which raises interest rates. Yeah. So you're absolutely correct. So what they're doing is they're undoing what they did. Back during COVID. Right. Right. And so and the politicians are saying, oh, look at my economy. Yeah. Well, it's not your economy. Yeah. Okay. It's going it's to run without you. Mm-hmm. And the Federal Reserve is probably the biggest has the biggest impact. And when it comes to inflation, if the Federal Reserve, okay, with with government deficit spending, if they if they fund it by the Federal Reserve selling bonds and people buying those bonds, okay. And then they get the money and they fund the deficit that way. That is not inflationary in nature, okay. Particularly, okay, because what they're doing is they're sucking money out of the economy, right? So, would you say that the economy, the reserve, is autonomous, really, compared to political input for it? I couldn't imagine that to be true. Okay. Okay. Now they, I, I suspect they strive to do that. Mm. Um, I think, uh, I think, presidents will often approach the Federal Reserve. And ask them to goose the economy. Um, is that like your stimulus checks to a degree? That well, that was mm-hmm. yeah okay. And and um, what you'll see is is that again, if they're funding that through selling bonds just into the market, that's not inflationary, right? But but this is what's inflationary when the Federal Reserve wants to goose the economy, okay? And the Federal Reserve creates bonds. And that they're buying their own bonds. Uh-huh. That's what is inflationary. Okay. Because no because they're putting money directly into the economy. And the way it gets there, it gets into the economy through the credit markets. Right. Okay. So so you have loanable funds market. Yeah. And uh so it ends up in the loanable funds market. And and part of the issue with that is that money coming from the Federal Reserve that ends up in the loanable funds market does not resent does not represent savings in the real sense that someone gave up consumption. Mm-hmm. With me? Yep. So when you save money, or, or individuals save money, and it's in the bank or it's invested, that savings is savings in the real sense that there was not consumption. So what that means is there are resources available, real resources el- elsewhere in the economy to be consumed. Okay, and can you see that you can see yeah. the difference there? And they're, they're just not getting consumed because right. people aren't spending the money, right. and and it's there. So it's a it. You can see the the problem with with I call it funny money because <laughs> consumption isn't stopped. Yeah, but you're not making any more things. Right. right? So it's a real. It can be a real problem. And I do. I, I don't want to derail anything because I come from Champion, South Carolina, where my economics was taught by my football coach. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> Not the clearest, best picture ever painted. He's just like, I think money 
Yeah, so that's the whole time what we did. What is something that crypto in general is that a for you a taboo thing? Is that is well, no, that the funniest well, of no. the monies? Well, I think one of the questions people ask. Okay, I I, I like alternate uh, forms of of currency, uh, and the one particular is Bitcoin. And the biggest question people ask me about Bitcoin, and I think it's the biggest question people have about Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, is is why does it have value? And and I think the answer is precisely the ability to be able to bundle up immutable packages of data and information and transfer them geographically mm-hmm. on a non-contiguous basis to anyone on earth for a very small fee. And all of that wrapped into a, a final payment system. So Bitcoin was kind of the first on the block. Yeah. And that's kind of how it, how it functions. And, one issue with Bitcoin is that, one, it's young. Cryptocurrency is young, but it was appreciating so quickly that that people kind of stopped using it as, as in, ex- in the role of exchange. Yeah, yeah, in the role of exchange. yeah. Uh, and and I would, I would, there were nights I couldn't sleep because I would get up and it, it's gone up so much in such a short period of time that I'm like, this is manna from heaven. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have point one percent tied up in yeah. offshore's accounts. Yeah. 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 My yeah, we 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 had someone donate to the podcast point one Bitcoin. Right. And this was about what three six grand. six months ago. Yeah. yeah, and at the time it was about three thousand dollars. Right. Uh which uh I cannot get my hands on because uh it is in an offshore exchange that requires a uh premium payment to to get to the account right and then it requires insurance because it's an offshore exchange and the united states has laws in place to prevent uh basically they have laws in place to prevent it from being like um uh, money laundering and that sort of thing okay. uh so it sits you know and and i look at it from time to time it goes up and it goes down a little bit right, at right. one point it was up to like four grand and then it's down to like 2700 right. so uh, so I just go out there and look at it and be like, well, one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing about it is a lot of it's just supply and demand. You know, meme coins. Yeah, like the I've got, laughing monkey thing. That, that, I wouldn't, that does not interest me. Yeah. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, ridiculously volatile. What, are they, yeah. they, but, what do they call those NF, NFTs, right? Yeah, non-fungible non, tokens. Yeah. And, 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 and with Bitcoin, remember... It, it, there's more going on with Bitcoin than most people realize. Okay, you could actually have a Bitcoin IRA. Really? really? Yeah. So you you could have a Bitcoin IRA. Uh, uh, some people want to accept Bitcoin and will. Uh, some places in the nation there are Bitcoin ATMs. Yeah. So um, I think as it matures, if the if the federal government doesn't put it down, uh, we'll see bigger and better things from it. I do fear the federal government getting involved in the digital currency. That's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and my fear would be a mistake on their part or yeah. they, someone just decides they don't like you. Oh, yeah. And you go you go to um, buy food and you pull out your card and they say, gee, I'm sorry, there's, there's no no credit on your card. But, you, but you've got your life savings on the card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But somebody just cuts you off. That's like the truckers in Canada – that Canada suspended anyone who contributed to that campaign of those truckers funded them. They froze all of their accounts. Right. Oh. 
Yeah, that that kind of thing really concerns me. Because, That's not freedom. Because, uh, you know, again, governments are self-interested, and you may like who's in office now. Next go around, you may be terrified by the person who's who's in office. We've been there. <laughs> so, so, so I think that the best thing to do is, if you're fearful that the torch will be passed, you know, uh, Milton Friedman uh, had a quote that. Uh, this, the centralization, the concentration of power does not become um, does not become passive or or no longer dangerous or dangerous by the good intentions of those that, mm-hmm. that start it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of think that uh, I'm for a limited government yeah. uh, because I, I want Everyone's rights protected, yeah. and this is a personal value judgment thing. This sure, is, yeah, yeah, you know. But I, I, be, I believe that all human interaction requires consent. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. check Absolutely. all government overreach yeah. is is, right. a, is right. a problem that none of us want to have to deal right. with. And uh, no, I'm right there with you. And this has definitely been insightful because, like I said, I come from a place where economics was not the forefront. They were like, let's the football teacher will teach. Oh, my baseball coach taught us AP history and AP US history. So that was Yeah, yeah and he's like, well, most of our curriculum is World War II, because I sit on the recliner and watch that. Ken Burns is a fantastic man. But I, I will point this out that uh my AP US history teacher and AP world history teacher was uh a member of the US Air Force in England for almost thirty years of his career mm-hmm. and was uh worked alongside the RAF and, and oh, whatnot. So, so he's like, like I've seen some stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so I there was validity to him being that teacher. Uh but uh yeah, no, it I I I think I I had read at one point I've I've read several articles where there was discussions of the the United States Treasury potentially being involved in in some sort of a cryptocurrency, whether it was a a, a U.S. Bitcoin or a U.S. dollar Bitcoin that they can control, but that that scares the there's, mess out of me. There's already places like the airport who won't take cash from me. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, you go to trust me. My mom called me. She's like, "Can you believe they won't take cash?" I was like, yeah. "She's like, it's legal tender. It's illegal." And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of see your point too. Like, I just don't." I mean, I've I've read that you know the uh, a U.S. stamp. The stamps that they sell at the U.S. Postal Service, those are legal tender as well. I mean, Absolutely. you can yeah, literally exchange that. those for money yeah, or, or, or services. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, because – and what's great about them is that every time that uh, the Postal Service raises the rates, if you have first-class stamps from 15 years ago that were, you know, potentially That's 38 cents. Yeah, I mean, now that, they're – If you think about it, it's, rep- it's representing legal tender that you paid for that postage yeah. that you're sending, so – and the value, the value of those goes up. That's so, interesting. I, I didn't so that. put your money in. That's put awful. your money in stamps. Uh, <laughs> do not put your money in stamps. <laughs> yeah, you don't mail a whole lot of stuff. No, no, no. Well, and do and before we go, I'm going to ask you some everyday questions that sure. has nothing to do with economics. So you don't like sports? Like it's not your thing. It's it's just not my thing. You went to the University of South Carolina. Yes. You're a Gamecock. Well, I have to say yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll take it. Take that, Trent. I know he's listening. No, absolutely. Okay, there we go. I've been, I've been at the games. and Okay, well, there you go. we got a yeah. bona fide Gamecock, so am I. I'm also a Demon Deacon. Uh, next, we're going to ask the, uh, the you're on a stranded island, you have a working CD player. What, mu- what music, what artist are you listening if you're going to pick one? Oh, gosh. One? One. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. I'm a complex monkey, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's your vibe? Where are you going with? 
Well, the first thing that came into my mind, and it may not be the one to have, is Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, absolutely. Have you have you have you been to see Smashing Pumpkins live? A couple times. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Let, me, let me say the a few times. I, I saw I saw them in Charlotte. Just I think it was it was just after COVID. No, no, it was just before COVID started. So that was that was one of the greatest concerts I've been to, and I've seen. I've seen Dave Matthews band probably 15 times. Can't go wrong with Billy Corgan. I've been folds. I've seen, uh, I don't know, probably 15 times, uh, bare naked ladies, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm a child of nineties alternative even now, like Ben folds, Ben folds released an album like a month and a half ago. And I've listened to it enough times that I can probably sing it without (laughs) any, any assistance. Well, I'm a Cody and Cambria fan. I'm a child of the early two thousands prog rock. So, uh, same kind of question, Desert Island. But you have a working TV and DVD player. What's the show? What's the movie that you're going to pick? That, that that that's what you have. A movie, movie, and a show. Oh gosh, probably. Okay, movie wise, I'm going to give you two. Okay, Hannibal. Okay. Oh great, the original. Yeah, and um, and um. Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, that's good. Fantastic. Because because of the social content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot going on that's Absolutely. right underneath the service. Yeah. So yeah. it's the movie, people may not like it, but it's all that other stuff going on. Yeah. You know, it's a social commentary is what Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. Yeah, Island, you know? uh, Dr. Island of Dr. Moreau. Is He's it. never asked me these questions before. No, because you're here. <laughs> he probably doesn't want my opinion. <laughs> well, and the last one, you, you get to pick one car to drive forever. It is. It can be whatever kind of car you want, but you're like, that's what I want. That's so brutal. Life just doesn't work that way. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're doing... Like, for, we're me, not, we're, for, for me, yeah, yeah. and this is like Selfish Row. Uh-huh. Okay. Selfish Row wants a 2005 Aston Martin Vanquish. Oh. Ah. V12. Yeah. It's got uh, swan doors. When you open the doors, they kind of go up so you don't hit the curbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I, I always just, wanted the Ashton Martin DB5. I'll just, oh, yeah. I'll just tell you a quick story. When my, pop, when my father was playing baseball uh, in the Phillies organization, he owned an Aston Martin. And driving uh, somewhere to Atlanta, he was going through the, the, the Blue Ridge Mountains or something like that. And I don't, I don't know if the story is true or if I'm messing it up somewhere. Drove that Aston Martin right into the side of a mountain. Oh, no. So, yeah. Uh, but great car. I can't remember if they were uh, – privy to the Lucas they called him it was their electrical system was Lucas King of Darkness <laughs> that's funny it's one of those things uh, British cars just like BMWs and stuff are known when they Notoriously work for when they work they work well when they don't they do not yeah <laughs> like, they break they break yeah well Ro is there anything you want to uh, anything else you want to tell us about uh, as, as far as you know promote promote State Farm I assume I'm y'all fine. are doing I'm well, glad well be here yeah and, no and, I'm glad uh, you could come I I uh if anyone has any needs, glad to talk to them. Yeah, Absolutely. your uh, website's rowyoung.com. Yeah, rowyoung.com. Um, and uh, my phone is 803-957-8585. And one thing we pride ourselves on is if we think we can help you, we will tell you that. Yeah. If we think we cannot help you and you're better off doing something else, we will also tell you that. That's a very honest way. So, an objective opinion, an assessment. Right, right, because we want to help people, not hurt them. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah, no, I, this this conversation has been fantastic, and, I I, love and it. honestly, yeah. I, I I think I think having you back at some point, uh, especially, you know, from a non political aspect of knowledge about the economy right. and, and and things like that, because one of the things that I saw this morning was they were talking about jobs numbers. There's been thirteen some odd million jobs created under Biden. They talk about the fact that the uh, they they the reason I asked about the economy in the United States was because they said that that there was more growth in the last quarter than they expected. They, they talk about that being a, a point that the president gets to tout, but I I've always operated under a sense that the president's not directly responsible for the economy. You're correct. Or it's, the gas price. You're absolutely or correct. Ga- yeah. You're or gas correct. So I, I, I always, I, I count when, when I hear that the economy is doing well, I don't look at that as a trophy for the president or whatever party is in power at the time. I look at that as, well, that to me says that people feel comfortable spending money. Consumer habits in the yeah, end of the day. It's right? you know, that's that's how our market works and and, and so I, I'm I'm thankful to hear you basically say that in a more intelligent way. I, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's 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 helpful for people to know that that you can't just you, you can't just say, Well, my president did this and my president did that or your president ruined this or ruined that. It's they were, they a, were only in the room when it was going on. Yeah, right. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In, a, in a large way. Yeah. 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 I think I think for the most part that 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 is always something so ultimately if it does if this is, has anything to do with politics is don't assume that someone is going to do a good job or a bad job for your economy. Ultimately, I'm going to say do a good job where you work and you'll be rewarded hopefully for, for the work you do. Uh, uh, yeah. And I, I do suspect we will have a recession at the end of the year or the beginning of next year, probably. Yeah. yeah. Just because that's, that's the pattern that we see. Well, there's a lot going on, a lot of indicators. Okay. And I, I know I can't keep running my mouth. Oh no, 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 please. No. So, so, there are a number of indicators. One one is the, the relationship between employment in the private sector, yeah. number wise, and the and the with the relationship of the government employees, and and before every recession, there has been a a, a, a lower a much lower number mm-hmm. in the private sector, a, a change at relative to what the government's doing. And what it is is that you you see the government growing, but the but the private sector is shrinking a little bit. Mm. Sure. And remember, with employment, a lot of it, a lot of the numbers are coming from the fact that the labor participation participation rate is so low. Yeah. So some that you have a lot of things to consider. Just because there's a, a low uh, unemployment rate doesn't mean you have to put it in context. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I can, I can tell you from the aspect of, of the company I work for, they saw, they, they forecasted a, uh, for themselves, a, uh, I, I guess a downturn in, uh, revenue. Mm-hmm. And they made the decision that they were going to go ahead and eliminate some of the jobs that were technically what we call on the bench. Those are employees that are employed, but they're not working on a project that brings in revenue. Okay. So they made the decision to cut, uh, a, a percentage of those employees, and uh, and then even in reading articles about what happened, uh, most of the econo- economic papers and, and news articles that came out said that that my company was extremely intelligent for doing this early because what they've done is they set them up so they set themselves up for success because when the downturn happens, especially in the tech uh, tech industry, that when it, and it is going to happen uh, that 
they've already set themselves up to have the revenue built back into it so that it won't affect our ability to have the resources we need for increased revenue. Uh, and, and they said, you know, Google's already done it. Facebook's already done it. There, there, there are several tech industry companies. Elon that, Musk did it for X. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's anybody that works for X. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I get the impression that that's just a whole, it's, that's basically the wild, wild West. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is what that is. Uh, but you know, so I'm, I, fortunately I was not affected by it. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, no, this is this has all been extremely interesting, and, and and Ro, absolutely, I'm gonna. I'm, and you have a voice for podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. You want to? Oh, you're all You want to do oh, a show? No, no seriously, you want you want to do a show? It's it. You could do it from home on your computer. Just buy a nice mic and cut it up. Barrel cut it for you. I'll I'll edit the whole thing. I'll do it for you. I I honestly I think people would listen. That's, yeah, I think I it's extremely interesting. And I you you're all for God. No, no we're telling you the yeah. truth. There's a lot of people who come in here. I don't go. You should start a podcast. But you have the information and the talent. We've I, had I people in here that have started podcasts, and I go, oh, "There's no way anybody's going to listen to that." <laughs> uh, you know, but and that's what he said to me when I got here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ro, thank you very much for getting a Ro.com, uh, a RoYoung.com. You can check that out again. The phone number is eight zero three nine five seven eight five eight five. I know that because I've I've called it free, uh, on several occasions. So. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for oh, being in you, here, Ro. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, that is going to do it for episode number 168 of the All About Nothing podcast. Thank you, Zach King. Thank you, Ro Young, for being here. Uh, and uh, also, uh, links to all of our past episodes, podcast platforms, merchandise, and social marina, uh, <laughs> marina, marina. merchandise yeah. media are available on our website, uh, theallaboutnothing.com. And if you think our financial model of giving away free content and entertainment is silly and you're in the giving mood, why not become an official nothinger and support the show? Visit for the All <laughs> Three dollars an episode. <laughs> Visit theallaboutnothing.com and click on the support link near the top of the page. You can subscribe monthly to varying levels of membership tiers and click on the tips link if you just want to give a one-time donation. And if you're uh, if you'd like to, you can join the conversation by joining our Discord channel by clicking on the banner at the top of the web page. Please subscribe to the show, like and follow on Facebook and Twitter, and share with your family and friends. Thank you very much for listening, and as always, be safe. And before we go, we're going to be at uh, oh, Santa yeah, City Comic Con. <laughs> Oh, gonna, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that real quick. Uh, so I'm uh, so excited. Yeah, so Bro, we, you have to come. Yeah, Soda City Comic Con, August 19th and 20th at the uh, Metropolitan Convention Center, Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. Yeah, uh, tickets are on sale. Go to our webpage. There are uh, links to buy tickets as well as see other information. Uh, we we actually just recently found out uh, I'm going to be hosting a panel specifically on podcasting, and I will be selling. One dollar tomatoes to throw. <laughs> That's very kind of you. <laughs> I can only imagine what one dollar tomatoes would feel like in the face. No, but we get to talk to people like Sean Aston, yeah. Michael uh, Bean, the original Kyle Reese from Terminator. I know you've seen Terminator, the man course. who wears the bum. Have paint. you seen Tombstone? Oh my God! Michael yeah. Bean. Michael Bean played Johnny Ringo. Johnny okay. Ringo. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's going to be there. Uh, Summer Glau is going Summer to be Glau, there. Summer Glau, Firefly, Serenity, yeah. uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, the the Terminator Sarah, Sarah Chronicles. Half of the Hardy Boys. I don't know which Hardy brother is going to be there, but half one and half of them. Well, and then we just found out that Lex Luger is going Lex to be there. Lex Luger is going to be there from wrestling. Yeah, I, fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be. We'll be directly across from the WLTX booth. Yep. Yep. Which is, I mean. What great company to we're have. gonna we're gonna be interviewing oh, we're adjacent to the 501st legion which i'm glad is, you brought this up because it didn't occur to me that literally this episode drops and then we're at so we're city at comic Con. City. oh yeah it's, it's a good primer yeah yeah I, so i'm so excited 
So theallaboutnothing.com, find tickets. You can get uh, you can get more information by checking that out. Uh, so do that because ultimately at some point Brock is going to come to me and be like, how many tickets did we sell from your website? That's <laughs> all of the uh, anime actors that are going to be there. Yeah. I wish I was more well-versed, but there's Dragon Ball Z, there's Demon Slayer, One Piece. Attack on Titan, One Piece. There, if you have seen the anime, someone from that anime is going to be there. Zach is basically going to be in a constant state of orgasm uh, <laughs> from from a result I'm, of this. I'm literally going to be running around. I don't even know if I'm going to give Trent a chance with the microphone. I'm just going to give you a recorder. Yeah, you're just going to run around and, and talk to people. Hey, with catch this. But yeah, but we plan on we plan on being able to interview the Beans and the Summer Glows and 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 Sean Austin, Sean Astons from. Uh, uh, well, I won't say what movie because I think the writer's strike prevents them from Shorter promoting that, yeah. but or the, the actor strike. So check it out. So again, uh, you all stay safe and have a week. The All About Nothing podcast is produced and engineered by me, Bear Gruber, and recorded from the podcast studio at GOT Sound Studio in Lexington, South Carolina. GOT Sound Studio is owned and operated by Neek the Geek. Visit GOTSoundStudio.com for details on studio rental, production, and engineering. Thanks to Cake for our intro music, Sick of You. You can follow everything Cake the Band at CakeMusic.com. Thanks to Muff the Producer for our outro music. You can follow Muff on Instagram at Muff the Producer. Thanks to Trent Clark, aka DJ Lonzo. Join him weekly at the venue in Columbia, South Carolina for the Saturday All-Star Drag Brunch and Sundays at the Review Drag Brunch. You can also contact Trent for all your entertainment needs, Trent at theallaboutnothing.com and on Instagram, TheRealDJLonzo. You can also phone him, 803-262-7982. Thanks to Zach King. You can follow him on Instagram, at KingZach07 and on Twitter, at CarolinaKing21. I am Barrett Gruber. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Barrett Gruber, or visit my link tree, slash Barrett Gruber. Want to support the show? Visit our page theallaboutnothing.com and become a member. There are several tiers available, including memberships that give you early access to episodes as well as exclusive content. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. To find links to our social media, merchandise, and past episodes as well as other details, visit theallaboutnothing.com. If you'd like to be heard on the show, you can call and leave us a message. Dial 803-672-0533. If the time between these episodes is more than you can handle, check out our partner podcasts. Zach and I host What the Pod Was That with Carrie Simmons. Visit whatthepodwasthat.com for links and details. Ami takes a deep dive down the rabbit hole in episodes of Welcome to Wonderland. Available on all of your podcast platforms. As well, you should check out DJ Lonzo's Top 5. Available on all of the podcast listening platforms. Please subscribe and share the show. If you're on YouTube, please like and hit the notification bell. The All About Nothing podcast is a product of Barrett Gruber Entertainment and Media. Thank you for listening. This episode of The All About Nothing podcast is brought to you by Blank Canvas Brand. If you own a business, restaurant, or sports team and you're ready to shake things up with that new, unique image, you need to use Blank Canvas brand. Blank Canvas specializes in brand identity, including logos and graphics for business cards, flyers, banners, and signs. Blank Canvas offers printing services to help with your clothing needs. Look, when it comes to talent and service, there is no one better. For more information, you can search Facebook for Blank Canvas, or you can email blankcanvas at theallaboutnothing.com. That's B-L-N-K-C-A-N-V-S at theallaboutnothing.com. You can find links in the Friends of the Pod section of our website. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. This episode of the All About Nothing podcast is brought to you by GOT Sound Studio. 
GOT Sound Studio offers a variety of experiences. Music, voice, and instrumental recording and production, video, and still photography. GOT Sound Studio has all of your media needs met. Owned and operated by Dominique Stewart, the Neek the Geek, experienced artists as well as up-and-coming will find everything they need to create. Bring your media needs to one of the most talented producers and engineers in the business, Neek the Geek. You can find details by visiting gotsoundstudio.com or calling 803-243-2302. You can also find links in the Friends of the Pod section of our website. Visit theallaboutnothing.com.